What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the originals and many, many, many other things with Dave Hampton. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, on Spotify, checking us out. Donate if you want to, uh, but we're going to get right into it and talk about uh, the originals with Dave Hampton. How's it going, Dave? Hey, what's happening, man? How's it going? You tell me. What do you <laughs> think of the originals? Uh, man, I you know I, I really I really think it's it's cool. I, I was looking at some of the um, the liner notes, and you know as usual, it's always good to see Peggy and, and some of the other folks. You know, just get their due. And I'm glad they're they're making the effort to get it right um, and just get the documentation done. I think it's cool. Uh, as far as just the overall nature of it. I'm one of those folks who, you know, these are recordings of songs that were inevitably delivered to other people. So for me, as much as I enjoy hearing them like this, I would never expect uh, this to be anything more than listening to someone's work tapes. Right? Right. We're listening to somebody's ideas. In this case, somebody who had a strong, uh, a strong creative streak when it came to looking at someone else and really writing something for them that would fit them, or just directing them for what he thinks he's hearing. I mean, some of this stuff you can you can really hear it in "Jungle Love." You hear some of the ad libs, and, and so, even some of the other songs, the Sheila E. stuff. You know, he he kind of understood the things that he wanted to bring out in her. So a lot of his little ad-libs and cues, even with the Jill Jones song as well, um, it's kind of like vocal breadcrumbs. You know, here, I'm going right. to give you this guide track and here's some breadcrumbs. You know, do it in this in this spirit. And in some cases, I you know, I like the Jill, Jill Jones version. That's how I feel <laughs> when it comes to Jill. Yeah. Even with the ad libs that Prince does, like yeah. I like Jill's version better. Yeah. And I, I, but I, and I like his his emphasis he puts on it. But it's different having worked with different people. When when someone writes a song for someone else, and you hear their what's called a scratch vocal or their guide vocal or the idea where they're going, there's always this tendency to to just insert as much of the intended inflection that they want to convey, but they're also trying to leave room for that artist to be an artist. Right. Take this song and here's the, you know, here's the, here's the changes, here's this. As you hear, most of the songs are, in fact, the songs in the structure we hear, minus some of the effects, you know. I think on some of these, as I listen to the recordings or listen to the, what's presented here on this work, mm -hmm. um, there are some of them that sound like they've, they've been touched up with some of the modern conveniences that we have. And what do you think of that? Should they be messing with it? I mean, if you have to, if there's like dropouts or they don't have a full reel, yeah. but should they be messing with it when they don't need to? You know, that's, that's again, that's a, a one, one side of me is a purist and saying that we're listening to someone's work tapes. Mm -hmm. We are not listening to things that were intended on being finished recording. These were, hey, I wrote this song for you. 
hey, right. I'm going to send you this song, you know, and that's usually what happens when artists do that. So it, it, right now, this is, this is a, as we hear it, when it is turned into a finished product um, for, for building content and, and telling part of a very large story, you know, we have to understand what it is. Okay, this is, this is an attempt to give us a collection of his work that's been curated <coughs> to talk about in particular, here's the songs that he did in their original form. Right. But they all landed with other people. Right. So I think that that's good. As long as we keep it in the context, it's cool. Do I think it should be touched? No, I'm not really one to to want to always use, you know, oh, let me let me treat this vocal and let me bring this piano out and let me tuck this back and do it. I think let it be what it's going to be, you know, but if it, there's always some artifacts. These are old recordings. Old recordings right. have artifacts. So there's a lot of things that have to go on in order for it to be sonically pleasing to, right. to whoever's assembling it. But it's a very fine line. So, you know, mixing at the end of the day in our, in our industry is a very opinionated thing. Mm -hmm. There is no right and wrong. Right. Now, aside from one song being from 1991, Love Thought Will Be Done, most of the songs were between 82 through 86, although Jill Jones' CD came out a little bit later in that time period. Um, do you feel they're missing out on certain things? Obviously, we have a fragmented vault, so you can't exactly have like his version of a Liv Warfield song or something he did with Andy Allo. But maybe they're missing out more on something that, say, he did with Sheen Easton or with Yo Mister by Patti LaBelle. Well, I think, I think, yeah, the, I think, yeah, if you went in a chronology, I think that would be really good to go in a chronology. And I think also mm -hmm. uh, to be able to set up part two. Right. Properly to talk about the other artists who he then went to write things for mm -hmm. later on in his career. Uh, but again, it's, you know, and that these are observations. These aren't criticisms. So don't everybody get up in arms and start writing letters and, you know, talking shit. So. Tweeting. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just responding to a question and, you it's know, so it, that's all it is, guys. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot more music that he did for other people. Um, you know, I would have loved to, in this time span, Where's that feel for you? Where's right, although, you know, he did like, you know, the 78 version, but we know that there was an up upgraded version. Right. And just like going outside the time period a little bit, just like with Celine Dion's With This Tear, you know, like you're saying stuff is for a casual fan, but let's be real here, like the Manic Monday version that the Bengals did is far superior and more polished than the Prince version. You know, no disrespect, but Prince knew what he was doing, giving it to them. And not giving it to Apollonia, not giving it to Vanny, or even to himself, you know. So he did these things, and even with um, it'd be interesting to hear River Run Dry from the family. We've heard nothing compares to you, and we get two different versions of this with the Target version. It's just like I said, we're hoping for a volume two, but then they also say it depends on how well this sells, even though it was available on title for two weeks streaming, which may have hurt sales. and. Let's be real here. They're phasing out the CDs. 
most most new cars do not have CD players right. in their car and streaming. You see, when it comes to the booklet, they didn't exactly put too much effort into that. Although with the deluxe version with vinyl, you'll get more. Right. I mean, you know? I think, but I think this is good considering, you know, what everybody's been expecting from from anything that's quote unquote a new offering. You know, I think this is a much a better delivery in in total than the the other one. Right. The, the Piano 83? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now, when it comes to... This is what I was saying. is like I didn't want Piano 83 to be the first one to come out. Original is a little bit better, but there isn't a lot of promotion behind it. And there and look... Behind this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Aside from the print interviews and some of the stuff that's done on online. Now, you're living in a world where he isn't here anymore. He's not going to walk through that door. We have to find different ways to promote that doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, what would you suggest that they do aside from this out? Because this was supposedly for the casual fans to catch on. Uh, with the sales being what it was, and, you know, probably the casual fans are probably streaming more and are a little bit younger. Um, is this being marketed well enough for a casual audience? Or is it just the hardcore that seems to be catching on to it? You know, I, it's such, such a interesting question because we're in a different time. Again, the music yep. business is a different place. Yep. Um, the music business today is as much about um, with a with a legacy artist like he is. Mm-hmm. It's as much about when you look at the cover. You've got a classic look, and a classic shot. Right. So I think as we see it on billboards, buses, and everywhere else we've seen it during the first weeks of the release, it's very powerful imagery. Any any pictures you use in always powerful imagery. But I think when you use it, just like in when it was alive, you have to use it in, in a way that right. has a planned impact or else you waste a shot. Right. So there was promotion because I was in a couple different locations uh, traveling and I saw billboards up. I saw that title did. Yeah. Most of it was title. But still, overall, even if title did it, what it was was pushing the product. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I mean when I say the music business is a different attitude. Right. So promotion actually comes from many places. And you have to. And at the end of the day, for the longest, there it's always been said there is no profit without promotion. So when when these things happen and these things come about, the purpose of them is to actually generate income. Right. From uh, previously previously reported assets. So for that, you know, these things have been sitting there that long. They weren't doing anything, and now they're doing something. Right. So Hats off to them for getting that, riding that around the track, right. and actually delivering something. And now a title and their billboards and all this stuff. If you're trying to get the younger generation, you got to hope that they're not on their phones and they're actually looking up at the billboards and they can see it. You know, I felt there should have been more of a well, it definitely is an opening on social media. It definitely is an opening for them to mm-hmm. expand on websites and do the things. You know, 
I think part of it is they have to come into their own of doing the other side of what was happening when I was alive, which was how do you outthink a business that's growing fast? Right. And so it's not just by releasing music, you gotta release music and and strategize how do I you know, he, he was disruptive before disruptive was a term. Right. So now people are intentionally disruptive, but even when they do that, you have to really link your friends and your relationships and your businesses and your and your brand strategies together. And it's yeah. a little bit more complicated. And line it up. And yeah. it should be. It should be. Yeah. yeah. And I have a friend, she's a fan. Maybe she doesn't own the Exodus album or uh, some other stuff. But she looks at the originals and she's trying to show it to a friend. Uh, and then she didn't even recognize that was Prince. Because this is like before Prince was polished and how he looked. It was kind of like rugged and raw. And she didn't like it. You know, so you're kind of rubbing people the wrong way. And another thing to use is say that you have to think outside the box because he doesn't hear anymore. Right. Now, look back at George Michael when he was doing Listen Without Prejudice and he wasn't in his music videos. Now, say we have a hot Prince song, but he's not here anymore for us to do a video of it, but then you have a bunch of hot models or Janelle Monet and, and Maris Lewis and others, this hot model and, and Janelle can rock it. They do a video lip-syncing to Prince stuff just the same way that yeah, these models doing it for George Michael's Freedom where he didn't even appear in the video, but it got major play. You have to think outside the box with these things. And you got to have stuff lined up. You know, like when Prince was doing 3121, he wanted to release that as a movie. And he was trying to, one of the main reasons I believe he signed with Universal, not only that it was a 50-50 deal and he was able to get Tamar the same deal that he got, is he was hoping that Universal Music, they can be working with Universal Pictures. He had 3121 movies. And I know that I was being discussed about it. It wasn't with Ruth, although I'm sure that she was behind it with her connections, of finding a way to bundle um, the CD with a movie ticket for 3121. And they were trying to get that out so it would give him a number one movie. You know, these are certain things that he was trying. And you call it Musicology 2.0 or other things, but he understood that with the internet, when it was coming in 94, there was no way that that was the future with music. And you had to find ways to merchandise everything together, to, to put it together, whether it was, you know, the musicology being given away, the CD given away with each concert ticket. You have to find different ways to do stuff, and you're still having to do it. And that's why I look at Tyler, the creator, who is a mid-level rapper, you know, he had, a f he had a few modest chart positions, but in order to do the t-shirt things, I know I discussed this before, but to have 68,000 of your 74,000 sales not be download stream, not be download or stream, but because of purchase of with the download to a t-shirt. Now you have the Prince fans on here. They buy two, three, four shirts, especially if they're different ones. He gives them this whole thing, especially because Prince is an older artist, a legacy artist. People are... are you know, his hardcore fans are more likely to buy a solid physical version over a stream or a download. So this way it's able to chart 68,000 to 74,000. It's usually unheard of right now because the streaming numbers will be like, oh, 740,000, you know, was streaming and it was 15,000 sales. As we're seeing with Prince, 
with the majority of the sales, 90% of them weren't streams. They were physical purchases. So you need to figure out stuff until you get that casual fan that you're seeing or marketing it for right. to get involved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, all, it's The strategy always gets more and more complex as we keep going because there's still a divide. And the divide is there's, there's what artists are, have available to them now. And again, that's that's depending upon the artist because again, we can you know, there there's a separate blame for for a lot of this activity where they're only going to do so much and they're only going to go so far, right? Um, and that has to do with a variety of choices that that those structures in power make. Um, so the independent side of building content and releasing content is really uh, primarily dependent, the success of it is dependent upon who else are you meeting with outside of the music group? Mm-hmm. Who else do you, or, or how are you out thinking it or what other things are happening? Whether they be trending things or whether they be or one foot in tech and so, you know, another foot somewhere else, you have to find relationships, key relationships, mm-hmm. strategic partners, you know, some of which need to be dynamic partners, where they can infuse cash or they can infuse uh, products that are so original that your, your, your music is just going to be a ride-along and it's going to enhance experience. So there's, there's a thousand and one ways now with, you know, with in your involvement in somebody's career, it puts you in a room with the people you least expect to be in a room with, but it's all part of releasing music. So sometimes the music and the artist is the primary, and sometimes the music and the artist is the secondary, and the product or the, the new thing or the concept or whatever is being, is being communicated right. to, the, to the audience is the primary, and the music is just a private and you have to come up with ideas yeah. that are very cost effective, especially because it doesn't seem like their budget is too much. But you're looking at quote unquote influencers online and what they're doing and the audience that they base. And what they're doing, basically, they do have an audience, but it's free. You have to figure out other ways. You don't want to pay an influencer $10,000 to lip sync Manic Monday. But you want to find out different other ways to make stuff go viral. You have to constantly think of ideas, but that are to a person that's already on the payroll or someone that will do it and then is constantly thinking of ideas. You're not exactly, you know, you're reinventing the wheel or, or whatever. You know, it's they're out there, just like with the George Michael Freedom video. You know, that's been done, but it has been done in a while. And, hey, it will get you video play. But there's you know. not really a name for it. You know, we were in a, in a business that for years, you know, everybody who had a function had a name. And there's not really a name for mm-hmm. that person who sits there and does that. I mean, we could say there is, but the bottom line is that, you know, this this project, just like the next projects that will come mm-hmm. from the vault, and also, they're all projects that are brought to the forefront. Right. Um, in his absence. So 
the best thing they can do is formulate a way to really get into a mindset to make decisions that are that are really closely based on how he would decide his music. You know, just I'm just trying to put it in a way that, that, that makes sense. But, right. You know, like I said, I always say somebody was very intentional, really knew what he wanted. So at the very least, yes, things have to make money. Yes, there has to be a return. But there is also a story that has to have congruity to it. Right. A, a master story that has already happened during his life. And so anything that is curated after he's gone, that right. has to have the same kind of pathos. Exactly. That has to go on a journey and has to be able to fall right in line. So I think that, um, you know, the same way that this is brought about is the same way they have to be able to, to meet the other songs that didn't make this but fall into the same heading. Right. The same way they do that is the same way that, you know, when they finish doing what they're doing now, we see the efforts from Sony Legacy. Uh, so, you know, Sony Legacy is going to do what they do. Right. And they're going to tell a story and they're going to curate a, uh, the things as they do. And, it, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what it's supposed to do, but they have to create those formulas mm -hmm. now. And I do like what Sony has been doing, when it, whether it's Steve Park or Sam Jennings, having them involved yeah. and create the artwork, whether it's for vinyl or to make the reissue look a certain way or get it as close to uh, looking the way that he would want it. Right. And I think Sony has been doing a good job of that, of course. Well, those are two Those are two really good guys, too. And those guys really knew his intent, um, you know, especially um, not only Steve with the photos thing, but, but, you know, with Sam. Sam was crucial. I know for a lot of stuff through the years um, I was there. He was he was a big factor right. in being able to turn around concepts and ideas and and make them real so that right. the fan community had exactly and he was given the voice of that yeah like I mean that and then like I said the same way he utilized the relationship with you and mm -hmm. used you as a sounding board you know mm -hmm. and I you know I, I don't know a lot of people don't talk about it but I always have to. To say it because you know I say it to you when I see you. I said people don't really realize how important it is when they have somebody who's direct linked to the right. fan community at that time and what was going on. We said, you know, he would he would say, oh yeah, I don't like the internet. But then if I would get to the studio late at night, I'd walk in his office. He'd be on the internet talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is the guy that doesn't like the internet, you know. But, nah. but it's yeah. That's that duality of okay, I get it, but but it was necessary. If he can control it, like because yeah, you know, he'd say stuff about not doing it, and then people like Madison Dubois or Cat Graham, yeah, they would hit me up like you know, like he makes us watch your show when it's live, <laughs> yeah. you know, like we have to watch it, or he wants to know if we watch it, he wants his feedback. So it's like yeah. it's constantly like that. That was the new concept at the time. Just like in 2011 when Karen was hitting me up about. You know, he's going to have a new album out, but he's going to want you to design the website and all this stuff, social media. And it's like, you had to have that all out. Because his concept was not only for the album, it was for the website and what direction he was wanting to go. Yeah. And of course, when I was doing this free cast show, then I come up with ideas on the fly. He would just 
take them and like, no, see, like that. That's part. That's part of our little deal, you know. Like, and then people would think that, oh, you know, Prince told him that. Like, no, 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 no. You know, but that's what I was saying is, is he would use Sam for that. Yeah, to come I up mean, with concepts yeah, and ideas. Yeah, Sam was Sam was really good at that. I mean, he would do some, you know, just that whole the whole way he utilized everybody in their skill. And, and and Sam's demeanor was the kind where it's it's excellent. I you know I, I learned a lot from watching them relate because there were so few of us during that period. It was really you know a skeleton crew other than the engineers. You know right. Sam was there, a couple other people. You know like I said when but sometimes when Ruth would fly back and she she'd be in there doing that, but it would always be it was very synchronous. Everybody. Knew what they did, but if they needed something from anybody, right. it was a very smooth running machine. But it was a small group, and you know, he was. It was just really the way it should be when things work. Is that you should never have to have special meetings about. Well, hey, you do this, you do this, and this is what he is, and this is their title. Blah, 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 blah. Right. We all never had a meeting like that. We just no. always had respect for the pressure each one of us was under to deliver. In the responsibility. Right. So you're just trying to support whatever it is. And it was amazing for me to, to meet Sam just as he was the guy who was doing a lot of the stuff that I never really uh, knew. I'm just going, wow, look at all this internet stuff. Like I said, yeah. when I came there, I realized I came there from this tech thing with Herbie where we had we had been, we sat down with the two guys before they started in his living room. And they told us, oh, you guys are going to need these things called websites. And I had, I had one of the first websites because I just was meeting these people. So by the time I got there and I'm watching how he's already got a fan community, they've already got products there. Mm-hmm. It was pretty amazing to see at that time considering where the record business was. This is, I mean, we didn't have a streaming model. The only crude streaming model, if you want to call it that, was Napster. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, you know, it's, it's it, it, it really had come a long way, but he was so ahead of it. Yeah. You know. And Sam was unchallenged in the sense that, yeah. you know, he was there, this is who he chose. And, mm-hmm. of course, later on, after yeah. stuff just like you had Scott, uh, Addison Clay, and Anthony Malzone for Lois Flower, they were chosen. Then for a while, I was chosen and whatnot. What you have now with him not here is instead of people supporting, like, say, when Sam was doing stuff and I was in contact with him from 2002, I wasn't in contact with him, like, every day. It would be sometimes once a year if nothing was going on or once every few months. But I wasn't trying to... What you're having now is, you know, like, I was chosen to be the voice, not to be arrogant, and I'm still trying to do that. But then you have about 20 other people wanting to do that. Sam had the luxury of where Prince chose him, and he yeah. was it. And I was like, that's the dude. So I would just help out Sam. If, yeah. I, if I felt like I messed up and made something more difficult for him, whether it was like having to check people in line, you know, for the two, uh, the one night alone tour, I was wanting to help out with that because he was the guy. I wasn't trying to do anything but help him out. Now, instead of having people try to help me out and us to be all united, everyone wants to be a voice because they're trying to get a piece of the pie and it makes things more difficult. And 
I admire Sam for so many different things of how he came up with these ideas. And he's an idea person. Yeah. The whole thing is, it's like, I talk to the estate. Um, when I talk to them in person, I'm like, you do realize I have a full-time job that takes up so much of my energy. Yeah. And I'm not being hired by you guys. I'm trying to come up with ideas and trying to come up with other things. Yeah. Now, if I was able to work for you full-time or do other stuff, just imagine what I'd come up with. You know, whether you're doing stuff on social media that, that's similar to what they're doing, whether it be a post on Paisley Park or the Prince Instagram. I, I'm limited on what I can do. And as a diabetic, my hours aren't like Beyonce. I don't have the same 24 hours to do stuff. Right. need a little bit more sleep. You break down and then with this job, you have a lot of other stuff going on. But you want to help out and you want to give your ideas. And yeah. I'm able to give ideas and it's just, just a little... I wish I was able to do more. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully in the future we'll see. But right now everyone's trying to be a voice. Right. And it creates more problems because you all think that they're right. who's going to get it done. And that's why I admire about Sam is that he was able to be chosen and didn't have to deal with the drama. And I, I was like that for the same way for a little bit. But trying to still be around after he passed, you said things are different now. It's, you mean, it's yeah, you mean more difficult. After. Yeah, I think I think you know that's that's the thing that uh, for for myself and others, it's. it's you know, it, it's a process, man. It's a process. And, and uh, as much as we would love for, um, look, we'd all love for the truth to be, to come into fashion. Um, mm -hmm. We all love for for that to really come up and then everybody say, hey, you know, that's so-and-so. Hey, let's all get together. Let's do this. But, you know, you have to let things play out. This is, this is life, man. This is life, and and part of this is is this is part of what made it different. If you were somebody who was around him and involved in the creative process, mm -hmm. is that this is this is the reality we are in now, where he is not here. Right. And so when we look at the creative process, we we are always on ten when it comes to him. We're always there with that, knowing how to flex a creative muscle, knowing how to work together. All we need is the, the, the phone call and the thing, okay, what we got to do? Let's do it. Because the bar is always high. Right. The challenge is that it's really about communication and inclusion and a lot inclusion. of things that may or may not happen because everybody has a different opinion. Right. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, if you love him and you love his music, um, and you really understand what your intent is, you got to keep operating in, in a way that time wins out. Because that, you know, we talked about this very shortly before he passed away, and we talked about it in some of our last interviews. And I'll say it again: if you go back and play those, I said, hey, there's a lot of things happening right now. There's a lot of people parachuting in. Mm -hmm. And they might not be here because it takes work, right? real work, to do the business that needs to be done to set this situation correct for right. his family. It, and, and, and we can see through time that's passed, we're, going, we're into fourth year, we're going through this, Crazy. and those, some of these people aren't around, some of these situations aren't around, and now... It's morphed into where it's at. And now right. we've got some releases out and some other things that are happening. 
So we can look at it as a group and say, you know what, we're not where we were. And that's something I can say is good. Right. Now, in saying that, we've got a little ways to go. We've got a little ways to go because the thing is to get everybody together so that when the family needs something, they need to activate, you know, right. coming up on the museum, has <clears throat> finished their contract, and, you know, we want to see the museum do what it's supposed to do. with right. some Paisley alive and thriving again because we know the power that exists right. in the facility. And but I just, part of that is that, you know, the family has to win. They have to, they have to have their ducks in a row. So part of it is just playing it out and being who we are. You know, you, you, Scotty always says, you know, you, you're, your work <laughs> and how you conduct yourself is really your calling card. And so for all of us, that's our thing. When we get frustrated about whatever, we just try and keep our heads up, keep working at it. That's one of the reasons why I do work so hard with the PR and alumni stuff that we work on because when it started, it started from a phone call between all of us individuals who held this responsibility at different times. We didn't talk for an hour, we didn't talk for two hours, we didn't talk for three hours. It was a simple thing. Hey, we're thinking about doing this and this. Are you down? And that's all it took. And so we don't have to have long-winded things to do that because we understand the motive, we understand what's going on. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, because we're doing those things, it, it's going to be a small part of what helps everything right. settle down. But, you know, everybody can't go up there and pull out a sword and start fighting all the liars and cheaters right. and thieves that line up in the situation. It's, you know, all we can do is observe. You know, all we can do is observe. But... But again, part of it is, is getting the chronology right, part of it is getting the history right, and part of it is understanding, hey, what's what's the what are all the moves that are options now on the table? Because look, in the time he's passed, our industry has changed again. It's drastically changed again. To where we've got several different things and we're not it's not stopping, it's getting more complicated. When I say that from a technical side as an engineer, we've got things developing all the time on new formats and there's going to be some new streaming things that, that get released before the end of the year. New mm-hmm. new concepts and new ways to ingest music and appreciate music. There's going to be um, what they call immersive experiences, okay? We've got a lot of things that are coming at us that are other ways to consume and enjoy his music and other people's. Right. So we have to look at that. We also have to look at how we successfully are able to let the next generations know who he was and what his music was all about and the value that he brought to the creative community away from his guitar right. and away from the stage. Because that's a whole other thing as well. So there, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of things you can do and you know, it's really about a half full glass, man. I, I I used to get very frustrated, you know, and we talk about used it, to. I, I still do sometimes, <laughs> you know, but but I've been able to channel it into things that that uh, are for something and do some good, right? Rather than uh, being upset because I see other stuff, you know. It's like. 
you know, that's going to work itself out. Yeah. You know, people, and, you know, their intentions and the things that are, are, if it's supposed to work, it'll work. Right. It's looking at this, as you said about PR and alumni, we should all come together. Yeah. You know, you have, and I find it funny that you have some fans on social media that, you know, we'll talk about the girlfriends or ex-wives or whatever. Oh, throw on a competition. Who loved him more? Who do you love more? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm also like, the male fans are having kind of like a pissing contest of who knows more or who loved him more. And see, my main thing is, is knowing that stuff that you and I have talked about on our show, on this show, and then it gets used. I'm not putting stuff out there. I see a lot of misinformation every week or stuff that I know just as well as they do and probably even more. But I'm not going to give it out for free. And you're giving it out for free and they're just going to look at your feed and they're going to take it. And then you're wanting to be the voice, you're not going to be it. you got to not get that out for free. And that's why I'm saying is, like, I'll post news. I'll do what I'm still doing, like, he's here. I'll post uh, memories. I still would be doing that if he was here. Um, but the whole thing is, is I'm not giving out everything that's known. And then they'll put out their own narrative, you know, about contracts. We're going to have a separate episode about that with Taylor Swift and... The Prince's 1992 contract and the Masters and all that stuff. We're going to get into it. But you can't put out this mis- misinformation because what's happening is, is you're talking about people from the 80s being revisionist. It's happening with the 90s as well. It isn't just a certain time period. Yeah. Right now, that's just what's being focused on. So I like with Huron alumni, it seems like without you guys even doing it, you have that concept of him where you check your egos before you enter the door. And I wish more people were doing that. You have to. You have to. Because the whole thing is, at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about we're revisiting a friend when we do this. Right. We're revisiting a period of time for each of us where this was our responsibility and we handled it. And for whatever reason, when we have to go back and revisit it, we have to handle it a certain way. So that's the reason why we kind of, it the way we do it right and it just works out like i said it's not a it's not a thing where we get together oh we got to do this and it, no it's just something that really happened very organically and uh, i appreciate that about it i appreciate that about it and right. many of those people i didn't have the the luxury or, or, or was not blessed to be working with them at the time when they worked there but when we all come together you understand why he picked us all Egypt's right to handle those responsibilities because we all share similar similar characteristics and we all are able to handle quite a bit and uh, it's a pleasure man it's it's a pleasure to be from a, a part of a, a very small family of, of folks like that and it's just one of those things like I said I, I get yeah I do I do often concern myself when I see um, a lot of facts regurgitated. You know, mm-hmm. I still, as of yet, have not been inspired to write a book. I think if I was inspired to write a book, the first book would be um, here, here. I would just probably write a book about everybody who's full of shit. I would name the names. Well, it'd be two thousand pages long. But, but, um, I'm trying to do better, folks. I'm taking my medicine. I'm going to therapy. Um, no, uh, but there are times when I look at it and I go, "Wow, it just it's just so out," and, right. it, and 
it's just not fair because it's like we're not we're getting so far away from right. the real business. And what's the real business? Like I said before, the real business at hand is helping transition this situation back into the hands of his family. Right. And making sure that <clears throat> they have all the tools around him or all the resources around him that he did. Right. And if we could do that as a community, I think it would be good. And I think it will it will happen. But I think there's gonna have to be some right. you know, Look, you know, obviously there, there there's people who have come and gone, and, and there will be more that will come and go. We're probably right. going to see another level layer of folks fall away because, for whatever reason, it has to keep going forward. And, right. You know, the the structure is there; it has to do what it's supposed to do. Right. I, I think it's going to be good, but I, yeah, I I understand exactly what you're saying. I think that's the same reason why a lot of us don't necessarily talk about everything. We, we do share stuff when we're with mm -hmm. each other. You know, I just ran into Jerome the other day at Capitol Records, and we, we spent about three hours just mm -hmm. talking and reminiscing. You know, yeah. But, but that's part of what makes us feel good about seeing one another because it reminds us of the time. Right. Um, and it reminds us that, and we're we're here now. And we're still partaking in this industry. And part of the reason why we partake in this industry at the level we're at is because we had dealings with him right. in our career. So that's, and that's no joke. <clears throat> yeah, I've worked with other artists, but part of the reason why I'm successful in certain areas is for the success I had with him in particular. So right. I'm very appreciative of it and very appreciative of the time <clears throat> that um, we can spend on the next things, mm -hmm. and that's really what it's about. That's why you know I always like coming over here because we can just you know shoot shoot the the breeze about everything and, mm -hmm. and just even ideas and stuff because right. it's, that's what it, how easy it was to do before. It was never a constrictive conversation where if I talked to you, I was worried you were going to steal something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, see. and, and uh, it needs to be that everywhere. You got to feel like you can you can do that everywhere and it's not going to turn into, you know, somebody, right. uh, you know, trying to create a career off of whatever. Right. And we're going to talk about some of the people that worked on the album, but while we've been recording this, we've been watching the new MTV that's like a paid channel. And they still have the booty videos we're seeing. But there was two videos, male artists, um, one I believe had Wiz Khalifa, yeah. and the other one had Post Malone. Now, in both of those videos... Uh, one showed Ciroc, the vodka, for about five seconds on the screen. And then Post Malone showed Bud Light, showed him drinking it, made sure you saw the label. Another thing with Post Malone is he's hooked up with the Postmates delivery service. Like even for this weekend, uh, for you, if you use Posty, which is like his little nickname, you get $4 off your delivery. See, and it's, and it's up to twice you get over it's it's $8 off. Wow. So they're thinking of other ways to be creative when it comes to just the music aspect of stuff and how you got to think that thing out of it. Of course, they had the girls and it was like the booty videos with the guys. It's like, okay, obviously with the Bud Light, they have an endorsement deal with it or they paid for half of the video, same with Ciroc. So you have to look at ways for that. We're not wanting a Prince video that's going to have Ciroc in it. No. You know, maybe no. <laughs> Cavassier. But, but yeah, we'll get into that. You know that. what? But that, you know, you make a good point. It's really about. It's really about the nature of 
how they go about sewing all the business together. Look, man, we start, you know, this is my 40th year in the business. So I started out in the record business. Mm -hmm. I slowly transformed into the entertainment business. And in 2019, I'm in the communication business mm -hmm. because that's what it is. We are communicating all kinds of ideas. We are sending messages. We are doing everything. And music is, is like I said, it's a ride along. It is not its own vehicle like it used to be. Right. So we have to be open to understanding the messaging in everything. And and what we're doing right here, like we're, you turn the sound down, but we're watching the, the images, which is so powerful. Mm -hmm. But we are in a primarily Im image-driven, video-driven right. market. So everything that happens is magnified when you add that picture. It is it's priority is pushed forward when you take a picture and you add music to the soundtrack or you add, you know, so these are all the vehicles that people are using in order to get out there and be successful in their artistry. Right. It's no longer just, oh man, I got this really cool song. I remember years ago, people used to run in the studio with a sack full of cassettes. And they were going to play you their three songs that were just the, the, the shit. This is my song, right. man. It's the stuff. You got to listen. And they rummaged through it and play the songs. And it was like, it's cool. But this is how it's changed. Because right. it's no longer about a song. It's no longer about three songs. It's about, oh, okay, man, when's your, when's your video coming out? You know, mm -hmm. you walk into any modern school that teaches any uh, production techniques and you ask the students, well, what are you working on? More than going to tell you, I'm working on my second video, I'm working on my third album, I'm working on, and this is real. Right. This is where they're at because their creativity is at their fingertips. Right. And why are they able to do that? Because part of the reason why is because somebody like Prince existed who mm -hmm. said ownership. Mm -hmm. So now we have the ability to teach people how to own their stuff right. and, and do this. And so it's real impactful when you can see the byproduct of all his efforts right yeah, and something when, simple like that <clears throat> totally and when you're looking at the videos and whatnot like because he fell out of love with the video concept for a while and so did a lot of the audience yeah like he's selling tamar uh, when she was signed to him like we don't need to put out a video for your song it's going to debut on the charts and she was wanting a video at that time videos weren't the thing he put out one for black sweat fury but he had more, but he was going to use that for the for the movie. You know, there's videos for the word, the morning after, which is awesome. Um, but he fell in love with the concept, and I think, like I said, audiences fell in love with it. It's having a little bit of a comeback. Same with the vinyl, and that's what people aren't realizing, and they're going to miss out on that boat, especially when isn't it, it isn't as expensive. You're not making ten minute long Michael Jackson clips. You're making these little things that make it look expensive, but the song is around three minutes long, and maybe the video is three minutes long as well, or maybe an extra minute long to tell a little bit of the story, like the new Taylor Swift or whatnot. Now, speaking of the concepts and whatnot, the concept of this album, like with Don Bats working on this, what do you think of that? You know, that some of the other people that worked on it. Don Bats is a famous engineer, and I think the fact that you could do that is is great because he's got such a large body of work you know not only the work that he was involved with during princess time mm -hmm. but just you know i i think it's always great like i said i i'm, I'm i really love me some peggy mccreary because 
Mm-hmm. She's just, you know, in my mind, she's she's the, represents so much to his understanding of his process. Right. She really does. She you know, got it. Yeah, she she really got it. Not only that, but she's the reason why he he probably did certain things certain ways. And I don't know that she fully gets the, the props, you know, but I think she should because she's a really dynamite lady. She knows her shit. And <clears throat> as I sat and met her and talked with her again, there's so many so many similarities that we all share that when you meet engineers over the career of an artist. And you're all sitting together and you're sharing stuff. You're like, wow. Wow. Okay, now right. I see where he got that from. Now I see where he got that. Because I met Susan first and then probably a year and a half later I met Peggy. And so it was real it was a real good experience for me because before that I had only listened to everyone's material mm-hmm. from the start to the finish in order to get a grasp on what we're about to try and do because we were headed in to support somebody through this portion of their career. So sonically, I had to listen to, let me hear the first to the last mm-hmm. of where it started and where is it going. And then that way, what's the concept we're going to come up with in order to be able to have a 3121 be uh, an album that's part of his career, but could be standing right next to these albums and people are okay with the right. So there's a whole there's a whole mentality that goes into doing that. That's why I have such an appreciation uh, for all of the engineers over the years. You know, mm-hmm. they just, everybody brought something to the table. Now, I know like Peggy wasn't, she was here for the recording process and she'll be in the booklet and whatnot. Aside from Michael Koppelman, who's credited for Love That Will Be Done, they didn't use exactly anyone who worked with Prince anymore, I'm sure, or I shouldn't say anymore, who worked with Prince previously. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Peggy is, that's not what she does anymore. Right. But for some of these people that did work with Prince in order to get that sound, should have been, some of them have been consulted on this, or do you like what they did with it with uh, Nico Santos? Is that that's who was involved? Uh, Nico Bolas. Nico Bolas. I, you know, I, I think Santos that, is an actor. you know, so much of what happens in our industry is political. And so, when you're putting together something like this, a lot of times they want, you know, people who have a pedigree or they have, you know, names behind them and, and for whatever reason or, you know, however it happens, it happens. So, you know, I, I think through all of the things that go on with his music, the smartest thing to do is always to have a conversation with anybody who was alive during that period, especially if you're going to deal with the the resurrecting of materials, you got to discuss, if you can discuss with the engineer, it makes it so much better. You know, I, I think right. it's just about the information. You can never have too much information. But, you know, Nico's a competent engineer. You know, I, I the same thing with Tony Maserati. And, you know, it's all those things. The reason why everybody's here, you have to look at the business construct. So whoever is putting this whole effort together, they have a reason for doing everything they're doing. Part of that is that this is a effort of a larger picture where they've gone in and they're we're listening to the finished product of the summation of his work tapes. Mm-hmm. 
So if we look at it like that, then we can understand the context that we're listening to it in and we don't get bent out of shape. Right. You know? I mean, I could, you know, I can listen to it sonically and know, okay, I can hear something going on here. I can hear something going on here. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. It right. is what it is. So they have to do this in such a way. And look, this is their, they're, they're trying to create, they're trying to create product. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to do something that it's going to be looked at. It's going to be talked about by a lot of people. And that's something that, you know, if you're not ready for that kind of scrutiny, then you shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, that's what's going to happen, especially with someone uh, in the subject matter like Prince and somebody who means so much to so many people, musically, fan-wise, or whatever. It, it's gonna You're going to have a lot of people who, who have something to say. So I think if everybody keeps in the context, it's cool. I, I love to see engineers work, so I'm always about seeing my fellow engineers get work. Uh, right. I think when you pull stuff from different periods, I think it would be great if they set up a, a, some rules so that they could really keep things relevant. And that's just for chronology and for history's sake. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm going to go back and do a recording, if I can talk to somebody, you know, it's the same reason why um, if I wanted to find out about the API and fixing it, and I found the schematics, and I see their hand drawn, and I go, okay, let me call Frank Dominion, because he's the one who modified this console. He made the console. So the ability to go back to the person who was there, who did something, actually, and have a conversation, is you can't put a price on that. But it's part of what helps you for me, in that case, helps me restore things and keep it working. And I would not have been able to do that if I didn't undertake a process that included the person who had something to do with it. Right. You know, so there's a logic to it that goes beyond favoritism, it goes beyond the politics of the game playing that goes on when these, all these little cliques and factions form because they want to use this as their opportunity. It is going to be an opportunity for everybody. Nobody can stop that. It's going to be an opportunity for a lot of people who maybe in life they would never have gotten within 20 feet of him. Right. Right? It's going to be an opportunity for them. We can't hate it. We just got to understand what it is that, you know, these are all efforts that are going on after he has left. Right. So... There is a different set of rules in place for the reality and the expectation that we have to have around anything that happens because we can't put it under the same thing. He's not going to say, hey, uh, can you ask them to leave? Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, honestly, some people, he would, he would, you know, if he didn't want somebody, he would say, Dave, do they have to be here? Right. In right. other words, can you get them from right. here? And and that's real. And that's that's that is a real thought that passes my mind all the time right. when I meet different folks that are that are you know, in and around the situation. It's a reality. Why? Just because that's an experience I've had when he was alive of what he liked around. So some of the so sometimes when we see the behaviors and we see the other things, 
it, it triggers that. You go, okay, yeah, I ain't buying that. <laughs> and that's 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 just the real. That's how a lot of us are. Now, I might be the only one who's saying it, but there's a lot of people who go. So, but again, I know people write in and say, oh, he's hating. No, he's like, no, I'm not hating. I'm just factualizing. It's, we're we're yeah. trying to help, and it comes <laughs> off. It comes off as criticism, and no, it's not—it's not density, right? Right. Just like with it, we all want this to sell well. We want the future stuff to sell well. Look, I, I want it to sell well, and I want to see all the songs that he wrote for other people. I would love to hear commentary or see something from some of the people who the songs were given to, and not just in print. Not just right? no, not just in print. I right. think that the factual thing is going up. Look. Um, and this is nothing against her, but I mean, it would be nice to, to, to you know, Sheena Easton and Sugar Walls was a very popular song. Mm-hmm. But it was so popular, I can't remember what came after Sugar Walls in her career. Right? I can't. But then, and that's not a slam yeah. on her. That's just saying how well he did when he handed someone his work and right. said, this is for you. So that's really impressive when somebody can write something for a person and it become their stamp, their calling card. It changed her. I mean, you had, yeah. to me, because I knew her stuff almost over you. The people from overseas are like, wow, I actually know this stuff. Um, Modern Girl, uh, Telephone, the 9 to 5 song, or Morning Train. and But then as soon as Sugar Walls hit, it changed. Even with, even with the earrings that she wore, even with Strut. And then... Even when she wasn't working with him, whether it was after you got the look or with yeah. Arms of Orion when you had Eternity yeah. or 101 and then The Lover and Me or The Lover and You. That outfit she wore in that video, you thought it was Prince directed it, Prince did the music. Nah. But as soon as Prince put his touch on her, she elevated to a different status. You know, more than for your eyes only and all that stuff. And that, yeah. That was that was a that was a key time, and again, it, look look at what you references. You you reference the video, so see how strong the video image was when the when the video image was added to these songs. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. all of them are like that. All of them are like that. But it's I think it's no accident that, especially when he handed songs to ladies. They did what they did because he understood something about each one of them that right. that's, that 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 was his thing too, being able to understand what the special thing is about each one of these people right. that he had his work to. And I think that's you have to look at all that. You have to take time and really study those things in order to understand. This was part of the the beauty of him as a creative person away from just the things he did for himself. Yeah. For himself. 100%. Now in closing, is there anything else that you want to say about Originals we may have touched yet? And from, they're not having a volume two yet. We'll see if that happens. They're hoping it will, but we're hearing the next thing that's going to be done, the rumored, is the 1999 Deluxe Edition. Now before that, with Originals, there's anything else that you'd like to see done I don't know what else they can do. The album's out. 
We no, do have the vinyl coming out, so that may spark some sales yeah. that people have done pre-orders on because I feel that vinyl is more popular than CD now. And yeah. That's just what we're dealing with. Now. I don't know. Uh, I, I would love to streaming. see the vinyls coming out, whatever the expanded sleeve is, if they have uh, Nelson George. And, so Nelson George. Peggy. You can get stuff from her and uh, I believe Jill and Susanna Mowen as well. I think I think there's a yeah I think they definitely have to do part two but I think you know and that that goes to how they how they curate it. you know if you're going to curate mm-hmm. it by calendar time or you're going to curate it by the hits because everything that isn't on this record that went to other people considerably more hits very popular songs and very they sold a lot of them. so. Yeah. I think that would be good, but you know, I think I think it is. I think it is cool. I think the imagery is cool. That probably, if they have anything, it'll be more images from the time period that this happened. You know, that would be good too. Right. And then that way, people who don't know anything about him, if they got this to hear, they would be looking at images mm-hmm. from the time period of when this was done. Right. Now, do you think, because I know they're kind of going in order with stuff of what they go through, you know, going through the vault eight hours a day in the interviews. These are interviews that they said um, five days a week. Do you think they should also go to the 90s for a little bit or should it all be in order? Because I did see some fans, like I said, on social media telling me they're having a little bit of 80s P fatigue, 80s Prince fatigue. Well, I think, I think, what I think they should do is they should have be in a dialogue, and this is part of the reason why it's important that they understand why he utilized you and other folks that he utilized to mm-hmm. keep in touch with the fan community. You have to kind of monitor and listen to what everybody's saying and try and cater to your audience. That's why you that's why you have an audience. Right. Is to listen to what they say and to give them some of the things consideration to some of the things that they say they might want. I think it would be great to have other things happen. I think the initial run to the to the finish line of finance and, and make make money, it was the easiest low-hanging fruit, which is let's slide home to Purple Rain. Let's let's all curate this. But as we're now seeing, there's much more information about who he was on his way to becoming Prince. There's much more information and much more songs after in the 90s would be great things to pull from because Andy Allo and some of these the, the other artists are the future of what he saw when he when he was seeing these and writing these songs for Sheila E and all the all the uh, you know uh, Jill and everybody. It's, right. This is the next thing where he's seeing he's seeing that, and I think they're just as important artists as well, mm. and even more so later in his career. Yeah, it seemed that he was more inspired to write for others than for himself. Yeah, like for Tamar, yeah, for Liv Warfield, for Shelby J, for Andy Allo, yeah, for Third Eye Girl, for other artists that he was reaching out to before he passed away. But he saw the need, and he saw the and look. He saw what's going on now and acted on it before many people, which was 
freeing up women to be in control of the whole situation. Right. He saw that before a lot of people saw it. And he acted on it to give them situations where they could do what they felt and, and go in the direction they felt created. Right. So I think that's something else as well. It's, it's hard when you're ahead of him. Yeah. And because you don't have get to it. literally sometimes slow down and wait for everybody else to catch up. And he doesn't want to do that. But right. that's why <laughs> the 90s and other material is so yeah. on point right now and it's being missed because something like the ultimate live experience being released, the beautiful experience, you're missing out on these things because mm -hmm. you're trying to focus on the 80s, which was his heyday. But the thing is, is the 90s may not have sold well, okay? but there is an interest in the creativity and the things that he was doing is on point, especially when you have someone like Taylor Swift that's going through her own little battle right now that he went through years ago and could have learned from that, but we'll get into that. Um, but thank you so much, Dave, for being on. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Originals. Like I said, tell people about us. Keep doing it. Not everyone knows. Uh let people know about us being on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, everything. Donate if you want. It's always appreciated. It'll go to, we got the mic hookup now. It always goes to other stuff. Uh, much love. Till next time. Keep it funky.